Welcome to CTO Think, a podcast about leadership, product development, and tech decisions between two recovering chief technology officers. Here are your hosts, Don Vandemark and Randy Burgess. Hey, Don, what's going on? Uh, not a lot, um, especially not a lot technology-wise. Do it, same old, same old. Um, I'm I'm kind of pumped today. Um, so as a as a side avocation, um, I I also do high school football officiating, and tonight is our first uh, night of, of getting on the field. So really looking forward to that. Um, it is hot, hot, hot down here in Central Florida today. So. I'm going to melt on the field, but it'll be a lot of fun. What's going on with you? Well, let's just talk about high school football in August. <laughs> um, oh my, like the memories. Like it's weird because there's a recent, the big thing in the college football area, big story is how a player at Maryland died of heat stroke. Sure. And so this is kind of a sad side of it, but I remember working, doing two a days, two a days being two practices early morning and in the evening to get around the heat of the day of whatever that means in South Georgia. And, you know, our coaches, they used water as a carrot. (laughs) Like if you want a water break, you got to run more. And, and we had players suffer from heat stroke and the coaches actually knew what to do in those cases. But I just remember the, like whenever I go into a very humid climate, the nostalgia of football practice and and this time of year comes back and I'm just like, Oh man, I'm so glad I'm, I'm too old to play. (laughs) 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 Yeah, And and the good news is nowadays for the most part, um, coaches are very cognizant of, of heat effects and, and know that they have to keep their players hydrated for their own benefit. Um, So they don't, they don't use that water as a, as a motivator anymore. Yeah, and I've talked to people at the same high school with you know more modern coaches, and they're like, we uh, are told how we can't drink too much. <laughs> like, yeah. overhydration can also be bad. So yeah, I'm yeah, on. It's, I'm, it's on I'm on about forty ounces of water so far today. I'm trying to get up wow. to sixty four before uh, before we I get out in the field, and then. And then we'll see how that goes. So that's a completely non-technical discussion, but uh, yeah. but yeah, no, I, I this is this is such a great time of year for me. I I, I look forward to Friday night all week. <clears throat> well, I I'm going to go to an air conditioned gym and run on a treadmill. So if you <laughs> send all your sympathy my way, you know that's going to happen in a little bit. Yeah, for um, sure. For me, uh, I spent. Let's see. I this week I've been working on a variety of projects. A lot of them the same ones I've talked about before. React. We're more. We're now moving into taking the React Native code and building it for Apple. And my lord, the the amount of configuration you have to do to push to the Apple Store, even with React Native, is just crazy. Like there's just so many IDs and. Uh, permissions and it's like 
It is the most convoluted process for deployment I've ever seen in anything I've built. And I've done a number of different builds across AWS, Heroku, um, but the amount of settings that you have to go across to, to get things to work across these platforms is just really like, I, I mean, if it's secure, I get it, but it just seems like it's harder to harder to put it all together, piece it all together than it needs to be. So if you're a tech leader and your team is complaining about how getting set up for the Apple store or Android and Google play is like paying the butt. I don't think they're exaggerating. It can be a little bit of a hassle compared to other things you can deploy to. <clears throat> but, um, so, so when that. I complain about Apple, it's, it's whining, <laughs> but when you complain about Apple, it has merit that this is what we're drawing out of this, right? I think that's right. Okay, me, got it. Yes, yes, it is. <laughs> as as a Apple fanboy, you're allowed to complain. Got it. <laughs> but um, other than that, I was a substitute substitute teacher for two days at Northwestern Coding Boot Camp again, and the students have gone through most of the coursework, and they're now working on projects and. I was really there to teach them algorithms. Mainly we covered search and sorting the different algorithms you can use. And the, really the purpose I was, I mean, I was honest with the students. I'm like, the reason I'm teaching you this is for the audition process. Like if you're going to do sorting in your code, grow, go grab Lodash and use that to sort stuff. Like don't write your own sorting algorithm for Christ's sake, but you need to understand these algorithms because the recruiting world does auditions and they're stupid. They're not really, they don't really test you for what the work is, but it's lazy recruiting and lazy hiring that, you know, ask you to do these types of things in most cases. And I'm like, you gotta, you gotta do it. Um, despite the fact that I don't, you still have to. So we taught that for about an hour, but they were all by chomping at the bit to actually work on their projects. And that's kind of what I like to see. I like to see, the students really excited about working together on a team and building things. And sure. they were really, it's always good to see that. And so that, that's what was going on. Um, but last night when I, when the students started working on their projects, I all of a sudden have less to do in the class and an article came out related to Elon Musk. And it wasn't the typical article that talks about how great he is or some new idea or it wasn't about the stupid things he's done lately which is like call people names on twitter um or the the biggest thing is the possible sec related um stuff like market manipulation of his comments on twitter um it was really related to a specific subject of burnout and I know you didn't read the article, so I'll fill you in a little bit. He basically had an interview. It might have been with Kara Swisher. It was so with somebody. I can't remember who. Um, but he basically said that this last year has been the toughest in his career. And they said at some point he got choked up. 
And it really came down to the fact that he's been working by his number 120 hour weeks. He has had Mm -hmm. limited contact with his family. His friends are coming by and like remarking, like you're working too much. He almost missed his brother's wedding and all I, and so then when you start to look at his behavior, he's, he's yelled at stock analysts, um, been really curt, um, with them. He has, uh, made statements on Twitter, of course, that are getting him in trouble. He has made controversial remarks that show irritability and not like, not a, what you would consider a leader kind of directing the ship and make like, We've started this. We've seen this lately on a bigger scale in American politics, but you're seeing it now from a CEO who usually is carrying the torch for the startup community, and he's making he's acting kind of erratically. Right. Um, and now he's basically showing us. He didn't say I'm burned out, but it's so obvious that to me that that's a scenario. Right. And. I have a few connections to Elon Musk companies in my social network. Not a lot, but a couple. They work for SpaceX or they work for Tesla. And the stories that I've always heard about what does it take to work for a Musk company have always been where people talk about long hours, dedication to a greater good, Elon Musk is this, you know, Messiah that we follow. We're doing great things. But there's always a comment about work hours and expectations. Sure. And how far people are pushed. And the people that leave Tesla remark about that first thing they talk about. That's my experience of reading about it. Not to say that they aren't doing great things, that they aren't pushing the envelope. But there is a mentality there about excessive work and taking breaks and living a life are counterintuitive to progress at these, at these companies. And so what you see in my opinion is a top down um, philosophy at, at most companies of work till you're burned out. Right. And as an investor, I own a couple shares, so it's not, you know, Carl Icahn type of, type of investment. But as a board member, as an as a big investor, I'd start to ask, you know, from an investment standpoint, well, do we need to change the philosophy at this place because something's gonna, like, how long will this last? But I guess. <clears throat> With, I'll let you talk about what I what I've just said about Musk, but I'm overall the topic is about burnout because you kind of went through that earlier this summer. You mentioned that you were going through that, and I've definitely yeah. been in that scenario. So I want to talk about burnout at at least the managerial level, and maybe the the side effects that it has in on a team or in a company. But I'll let you talk about what I just talked about, Musk first. Yeah. So let's. Uh, I, I think I got a lot of places I can go, and I'm not going to remember them all. So <laughs> let's um, let, let's start with Elon Musk, okay? Um, yeah. in, in fact, I'm going to pull out a, a pen and write down some things as I'm talking. So he um, 
He's the founder and leader, CEO of Tesla, SpaceX, yep. Solar yep. City, Boring yep. Company. Yep. Um, and I think that may be it. Uh, there, there might be some ancillary ones, but those are the major four. And I, I, Solar City is probably minor compared to those other three. I don't know for sure. Did he start a flamethrower company? Or was that just a joke? I thought it was part of Boring. Um, I thought the flamethrower came out of the boring company. Um, Did he start Skynet? (laughs) I don't think so. (laughs) So what we've got is we've got someone who has started some very ambitious companies. Okay. We're talking about Tesla the first mass-produced um, electric car, uh, not not first, uh, company, I guess I would say. Um, and depending on the reviews you read, certainly the, the best executed um, electric, uh, electric car. Yeah. You've got SpaceX, which essentially replaced a national space program, if not fully, at least in part, Um, you've got the boring company, which is essentially a company that's talking about building tunnels underground to act as railways for cars so that you you don't have to drive the car. You just drive to a spot. It drops down the railway and it moves to a predetermined uh, destination. Um, and then Solar City, which is uh, again just about solar energy. So four very ambitious um, projects. I have zero, and and not to where he's just a figurehead. I very much get the opinion he's intimately involved in all of them. Um, yes. I read a book about about Elon Musk uh, that was published back in 2015 by Ashley Vance um, that uh, about it. And it talked about his his background and it talked about Tesla and SpaceX and all that. And and he's just a big visionary and, and not just a, a, an idea guy. OK, he's got the technical chops to to actually have those discussions. Yep. And, and and hold his own. So he's the closest he's the closest thing we have to Tony Stark or Ford. Yeah. Um, for sure. In our lifetime right now, I'd say. For sure. So so uh, how can you not be burned out in, in all of that? Um, and, and what it probably is, is it's probably just a, a, a case of not being able to let any of those things go because there's so much fun to him. Um, so, so that's, that's the Elon Musk side of things. Um, the company culture side of things, it's just a reflection of the leader. Um, I also read a book about Bezos. Amazon's very similar. Um, Amazon, they expect you to put in the hours that, that, that yes, they want you to, to survive and thrive, but they expect you to put in the time. Um, so and Bezos, <laughs> Bezos, similar ambitions almost, right? Um, 
He's got his own his own space company. He's got Amazon, which covers the tech and retail world. Okay, so Bezos is just as ambitious, I would say, in a, in a different way. Um, but he he definitely carries himself differently. Like you would put Musk and Steve Jobs in one category of personality, but you'd put Bezos and Tim Cook in a different one. I'd say. Ooh, I, I, I don't know enough about Tim Cook to know. Um, Bezos, Bezos is not quite in that. Um, you're right; he's not in the in the Jobs Musk area. But let's let's to put it bluntly, all these all these names are are powerful inner uh, powerful figures with probably eccentric personalities. Yeah. Okay. And, and what you're seeing out of Musk is you are seeing that, that, uh, 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 turning up of the eccentricity, which probably means his filters are, are down, which is a result of exhaustion, right? Yes. Um, yep. As as you get tired, all your filters go down, and you are you're about as raw as you can be. And and that there's nobody I think who would say Elon Musk is not eccentric. Everybody would agree he's a he's a bit eccentric. And yep. Yep. it's just a case of what is he allowed out there in, in the public. And when those filters go down, he he just he just goes. Um, so. I, it, as far as the company culture goes, those are things that if you don't know what you're getting into when you join those companies, you haven't done your research. Um, I'm not blaming people for it. I'm saying you need to you need to make sure you know what you're getting into when you go to any company. Um, you need to yeah. find out what you can about the company culture. Make sure it's what you want to do. There's a time in my life I would have loved to spend my, I, I would have loved to go work 12 hour days at a company like a Tesla or an Amazon just to be part of the experience. Um, I don't think I, I don't think I have the desire to do that today. I'd love to be, to be in on those companies, but I don't know that I want to put in a 12 hour day every day to do so. Um, well, I mean, we going back going back to football. That was we started. If you look at all those guys, all coaches at any professional level, and you look at their hours, um, oh, crazy! All of those folks are working insane hours because of recruiting, because of the coaching and the strategy and all that stuff. And uh, it's, I just seem to get these when you talk about their families the absence of like the amount of time they dedicate to the businesses or the teams and the amount of time they dedicate to their families. It's a, it's a choice. And I'm not saying that necessarily they should do something different, but you have to make that choice. Like it's very, that trade-off is there for where you focus your energy. I think. So, so let's go, let's go, let's continue the analogies. Let's continue the, the backgrounds. Let's continue the mingling of football and tech, because I think we both love that, that intersection. Yeah. Um, whether the audience does or not. Well, I don't think it has to be football. I think there, yeah, every but, sport, but, I, but, but the example I was going to bring up is urban Meyer. Okay. Yeah. yeah urban yeah. Meyer was the head coach of Florida. 
very successful, innovative, won two national championships in three years. Within two years, if if I recall correctly, within two years of the last national championship, he was gone. Of his own choice, because yeah. he said, yeah. I'm just burned out. I'm having health issues. Um, I'm not seeing my family enough. So, so on and so forth. Now, the cynical Florida fan who, who was angered at my at Meyer leaving feels that he was just getting himself out of a situation where he had built a culture within the program that he didn't think he could fix. So he was just going to drop it and run. Um, I'll let, I'll let everybody else debate that. I, I don't care one way or the other. Um, well, I, actually, you know, let me jump in and say, was it two years later, Ohio state, he took another gig. Yeah. The most, the, I still, every, anytime you bring up his name, I remember a guy at the, after a national championship game, that I believe that he lost, or maybe it was a playoff game, sitting in the 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 um, tunnels of the stadium, looking lost and forlorn, eating a slice of pizza on a golf cart. Yeah, <laughs> exhausted, yeah. exhausted yeah. for by any means. And I was like, that is not a person that is enjoying life in the least. Well, yeah, you feel he doesn't have his balance. He's an excellent, excellent head coach. Let's let's ignore all for 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 topic of discussion. Let's ignore all um, about about where he's done things wrong. Um, But X's and O's and and building a program it's it's obvious that he has what it takes okay he he was considered one of the top 2 in the profession yeah. last yeah. year okay um and and but you turn around and you look at somebody like Nick Saban Nick Saban never looks like he's enjoying it <laughs> but you also never get the impression he's overwhelmed his assistants are. <laughs> <laughs> His assistants are, but then then you have some assistants that come out from underneath him and thrive, yeah. and you have some that don't. Um, so so I, I think it's just more uh, a statement on you have two examples of leaders of corporations of of corporation entities. Okay, and yeah. and big time college football is is very much running a, a business. Um, it, there, there's no doubt of that. Okay. Um, I'm not going to say you have thousands of employees. You don't, but you do, you do have a lot that that's going on that, that yeah. you're, you're intimately responsible for. Um, so, so, so where I was going with that is, is it, uh, it comes down to how do how do those leaders handle it? Right. We've got one example in Urban Meyer who who shows that he can't he hasn't figured out the balance. You've got the other one in Nick Saban, who I believe is uh, probably ten years older. I'd have to look. Um, yeah. Who has figured out the balance? Um, but now, let me let me throw. I'm going to apologize to the audience for even more of a football reference. How do you contrast? And this is actually good. This is this works because of the place. 
how Spurrier, Steve Spurrier, ran his program because he won a national championship. He was in contention many years. He was looked at as one of the best coaches in his time. But I, man, this is a guy that was notorious for playing golf and having a blast. And he was cranky, but he wasn't exhausted cranky. He was typically just good old boy. But like, I just never got the sense of this is a guy that until his last season when he quit in the middle of South Carolina, I was like, he was fed up, but he was not a guy who was burned out. That's the impression I always got. He yeah, still succeeded. I, he did. He did. And and it, it's interesting that we're getting a Georgia a Georgia fan talking about two Florida head coaches. <laughs> but, but Spurrier, Spurrier, you got the feeling enjoyed his job. Okay, now we're we're going to set aside for a second because I do think there there's there's some some here about that was twenty years ago versus today. Sure. So I think yes. there's differences. Um, but he, Spurrier enjoyed his time at Florida. I think he enjoyed his time at South Carolina, but it was not as obvious. Yeah. Um, he was not as quick witted, um, at the microphone. You'd get, you'd get him, you'd get him to yeah. say things every once in a while that just showed that he, 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 he enjoyed, um, needling pe- needling people, teams, so on and so forth. Um, so he enjoyed his job. Um, I do think at the end of of Florida, before he went to the NFL, you got the feeling that it was becoming a bit much. Now, yeah. differences, Spurrier took over a Florida program that always had great potential, but never reached that potential. Um, and and took it to that to to where it actually won cha- a championship and and multiple conference championships. Yeah. Um, so anybody after that was going to be compared to the one that actually raised the program. Um, so anyway, we've we've diverted into into football talk, but I think we're we're trying to make the point of. These are these are leaders, and and we're not saying they're leaders to be admired. Just like business leaders aren't necessarily leaders to be admired. They all make mistakes. They all have their fallacies. Um, but it's it's an attitude thing, right? Um, yeah. Spurrier, very willing to pretty much go into a, a press conference, answer anything you have to say, ask. You may not always get the answer you want, but he was always trying to be at least entertaining. Meyer, yes. you go into a press conference with Meyer and and there's a local reporter who's like, I never believed a word I was hearing from him. His relationship with the media was adversarial. Right. Now, let's take that one step further and bring in one more head coach. Um, and let's talk about Saban and Belichick, both who are yeah. adversarial with the media. But... Different from Meyer, they are just more closed. They're not going to lie to you. They're just going to not answer you and pretty much tell you that tell tell you that they don't they didn't like your question, so I'm not going to answer it. Meyer wouldn't like your question and maybe come out with something. He he'll, he'd either not answer it or he'd come out with something that that was 
maybe uh, shade off the truth. So it, it's 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 very much a showing of personality affects how you handle those high pressure situations. So to bring it all the way back to company cultures, um, yeah. I've. I've, I've worked in many over my lifetime. Well, you know what? Yeah, we'll talk about this and I want to get somewhere else. Um, I've worked over many over my lifetime. Uh, my, my very first, uh, my very first uh, professional job out of college, I was in a call center um, and, and I'd worked my way up to management. And it, it's, I'm going to take a step back here. I, thoroughly enjoy working for companies with singular leaders that have personalities. Okay. As opposed to an IBM where it's very corporate, very executive. Yes. Your CEOs have personalities, but those personalities do not usually influence the culture of the company. Um, Now that said, I've worked with some with great personalities. I've worked with some with horrible personalities. Going back to the story of the first job, very much a a singular personality who drove drove us very hard. Okay, call center technical support. I remember one day we were we were we were doing our work as best we could. And we had a monitor up in the in the call center that would show how many people were in the queue, and it turned red if there were more than ten. CEO comes walking through on his way back from lunch. He looks up at the monitor, sees it's at ten, and this is with 20, 30 people in the room on phone calls with customers, screaming obscenities about how we had to get people off the phone so that we could empty the queue. So, <laughs> so, so. Culture is, is, is all part of building a company. That was a culture that was uh, poor, okay? That company lasted another three or four years, and then he got out. Um, I went to work for another company. That was my first professional coding job. Again, singular personality. This man had built banking software with his own hands 20 years previously, and now run, ran a company that had banks using that software, over 200 banks. So um, very singular personality. But again, it was one where he had started it, but now he had taken that step back and was letting his people run it. It was a good company. It, it had strict rules. I mean, he, he was very much a, you work for a banking company, you're coming in in suit and tie, period. Um Regardless of the fact that we're all developers, we never see the clients were stuck up on the fourth floor. We were coming in suit and tie every day. So, um, again, just singular personalities. I enjoy that. I, I think they bring um, variety to the culture. Um, so it, it's when people go looking for for places to work that that's all part of that process. When you have choices, not everybody has choices. When you have choices, that's always something you got to do is, is try and find out that nowadays there's things like Glassdoor and, and other sites that give you reviews of companies and how they are to work for. You can take those with a grain of salt because people are more likely to leave negative reviews than positive. 
But if you so, live in an area, you might be able to find other people who work there or have worked there. So let's bring this back to the subject of burnout. And because of time, we'll, we'll not, we're not going to talk about burnout as an overall subject. We'll talk about burnout from the top down. And so it may not, like we've talked a lot about head football coaches, CEOs, but let's talk about burnout as a leader. Because okay. the idea, what I think happens to many leaders is they want and expect their team to care as much as they do. They got to the top of this position of this leadership role because of something that drove them to move up the ladder. Could be ego, could be ambition, could be ability. Usually it's ego and ambition more than ability. But something drove this person to this position of leadership. And in order to show, like, to be the first in in the morning and to be the last to leave, leading by example is what people go for. And so the idea is I can ask these folks to work on weekends and to work past five because I'm going to do it. Um, That's one reason for excessive work is to lead by example. The other one is micromanaging, not trusting people to do jobs. And so you have to have your hand in everything and to be a part of every meeting. When you join every meeting during the day, during the normal business hours, you have no time to do the other things you have to do for leading. Um, so that's where I start to see, that's where I judge leadership when I see it in, in my own you know, footprint is I say like, is this executive going home at a normal hour? Or do they travel so excessively that they're never in town? And do they have to ha- do they trust the team that they've recruited and built to get jobs done without them? And when the answer is no to most of those, or at least, hey, they travel a ton, they are they have their hands in every meeting, they are making every decision. Or they're playing that game of first in, last out of the office so that everyone feels inclined to stay right there with them. I start to see the burnout and I start to yeah. see erratic behavior. I start to see erratic behavior. Yeah. And that's where I start to judge people on. I feel like leadership needs great balance in both energy used and rest. And I'm not talking about partying. I'm talking about just taking a break so that the next day can start with the right amount of energy and um, focus. And that's what I, that's where I start to see the, the wheels fall off is when an person in leadership is not keeping track of that for themselves. Because it shelters down to the rest of the team. So let's, uh, I'm going to take this personal because this was the last, I I had like five points I wanted to hit and everything we were talking about. And this was the last one. So it's perfect. Um, So, so you, so I think I can meld the two. And if I don't address it, let me know. Um, You brought up how how I, I felt I was feeling burned out earlier. 
Um, I was going to draw parallels. I don't have the ambition or the technical chops of Elon Musk. Okay. I don't have, I'm not out there doing that level of thing, but I, I, I do have my fingers in at least three, probably four or five different things I'm trying to get done. Um, and, and trying to treat them all with the um, respect that they all deserve. So you mentioned leading by example. This This is a minor gesture on my part, but I think it's important. For Aspire EDU, I take the pager every uh, every time it's my turn. So mm-hmm. uh, everybody on the developer, uh, every employee on the v- development team gets a week on the page or I take my turn as well. Um, and that's A, so that they're not having to do it and they're not having to get up when, when something funky happens and all it takes is, is a couple of commands to clear it. They're not having to deal with that overnight. So yeah. that's, that's, that's one, one, one way of trying to set a positive example, trying to be a part, but not be too much in it. Right. Um, I'm, I'm not, I'm not in there trying to code things anymore, but I am willing to take on those burdens, things like that. Um, <clears throat> another way I, I set examples is, I, I could never be a first in last out leader because I could never make that first in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I am not an early morning person, so I'm never going to be the first in the office. Maybe one day, maybe just one day every, every, every couple weeks I'd make it first in, in the office, but no, it, it just didn't happen. Now I've worked for companies where that was expected. So I made it happen. Um, but it was always pressure. It was always that little that little feeling of I've got to do it because that's what's expected, and that is always a bad feeling um, when you're when you're having to. I, I'm trying to figure out how to say this properly because it's not going to come out right. When you're having to change your behavior to run counter to what you feel is good for you, that's always an, an additional bit of stress. Whether yeah. that's whether that's getting up and, and being first in, in the office or being there by a certain time, um, whether that's um, feeling like you have to go out um, at lunch with, with the, a certain group of people every day um, but you're struggling financially, so so going out to lunch is, is a is a financial burden. Regardless of what the behavior is, having to do something that makes you uncomfortable makes that job harder, adds stress yeah. to that job. Um, yeah. We all have to be uncomfortable at times, but it's usually uncomfortable in ways that that break the fibers that allow us to grow. It shouldn't be arbitrary things and. Yeah. For the most part, there are examples where it's not arbitrary, but for the most part, starting at 8 a.m. is arbitrary. Okay. Um, there, there are lots of things that are arbitrary. Um, being uncomfortable because you've been handed an assignment that's going to stretch your ability, 
that's more about growing. Um, And if the leader is, is good, then if you're, if you're feeling uncomfortable, you can have that discussion. And if it's too much, you can hand it back without repercussion. Um, it, it, but for the most part, it's more about taking on things that'll stretch those fibers so that you can grow. Um, so it's, I, I completely forget what your original point on this segment was. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's about the fact, what I was really getting at is if you as a leader allow for yourself to be burned out, you push that culture down the pipe, down the ladder. And then you start to see the ill effects of it, except you don't recognize it as the you see it as the deficiencies of your staff rather than, wow, they're following my lead. They're also mm-hmm. burning out and they must not, they must be doing something wrong. And therefore I need to get more involved. Like it was like a vicious cycle for sure where you get burned out as a leader, your staff gets burned out as a team. And then you dig in even deeper. Like Musk said, Musk Musk made the comment in the article, "It's going to get worse for me." I mean, you listed every company this dude is running, and I'm like, no, this is exactly the wrong approach, man. Like, I don't know, Musk doesn't care a dang thing I have to say, but the truth is, is nope. You actually need to back off. There's talk about them finding more COOs for all these companies. But the problem is, why would anyone on the right mind want to be working for him? Oh, no. See, I, I, I disagree. I, I think there are plenty of people who who would be perfectly happy to work for him, no, even with I'm the example he said. Exceptional people. Exceptional people. Yeah, well, like uh, right, uh, now, right now, I would say that you are walking into a scenario at all those companies where the expectations of Musk to you as a, as an effective exceptional COO would be, why would I want to leave a scenario where I may be now where I have control of my life to walk into a scenario where you expect me to live your burnout? Because, because you get to work for those companies and those are unique companies. Okay, that that would be the only reason. Now, it, it, yes, it is. It's a case of him having to have the right people in place. And you're right; that's not going to be easy to find because half of them, I think, will self disqualify. Um, they'll be like, "There's no way I want to. I want to be a part of that." But I do believe there are some out there. Um, sure. And and, and but- you're right that it. it it's the leader setting the culture and we're back to, to leaders, leaders being what the culture is. But I mean, like the right now, the person that seems to be doing okay with this is the Jack. What's his name at Twitter and. Uh, oh, interesting. Okay. What's the other, yep. what's the other company? The uh, Stripe square square square. Yeah. Uh, Stripe is Stripe are the two brothers that know how to run a company. Uh, <laughs> Square, I mean, Jack is running it, but 
It's like, really, you can't find effective leaders to run these companies like it. And I, I, I know you're saying, yeah, I, I agree with you. There are people that want to work and do the type and take on the challenges that Musk is doing with his companies. But think about it. If you are an, if you are an effective CEO or COO and you have a family and then you read that article and you actually, let's say you like your family, you want to be with your family part of the time. <laughs> the reputation that Musk has set for these companies, it's like, is it worth it? Well, now, but if you're, if, you're, if, if you're any good, you're going to come in and say, this is my expectation. And Musk may say, no, that's not going to work for me. And then then you're going to part. Um, well, that's my point. I, I, is I, I think as a, as a leader, though, you're, you, that person coming in to work for Musk is also a leader. So they've got to come in with their own um, thoughts and, and things. And you're right that Musk will probably have to change. But the culture itself probably never will. The culture itself of being a company that puts in a lot of hours doesn't necessarily lead to burnout. There are plenty of companies that... So, are, are, are expect long hours, but not excessively long hours. So there's, there's so a fine I, I want to, yes, but I, let, now let's take a step back off the Musk train and talk about the fact that the listener who's listening right now is a manager. And I guarantee that the majority of people listening in a leadership role of our show are, do not have the political cachet of like the fame and the notoriety that comes with the the boring company and spacex and everything you're working for an entity that needs to prove itself to the labor market to get people to work for you so now if you have a culture that's known for burnout or you are you lead with burnout you are going to lose talent and have a harder time getting talent Without question. And, not, and that's what is the bigger point to me is we're talking about these exceptional people. Like people want to work for Amazon and Bezos because hell is a good thing on your resume and you'll be working for a company that's making money. But if you're in a startup or if you're in a company that doesn't have the brand power or the notoriety, you're not recruiting on that same level, on that same plane. And you have to retain people every year and you aren't bringing that to the table either. For sure. You know, you're, you're absolutely right. The vast majority of people are never going to work for those singular companies. Okay. For those ones who, who everyone sits there and, and it, uh, it agrees that they're doing something unique. Okay. An Amazon, uh, <coughs> sorry, a Tesla, a SpaceX, yeah. very unique things. So, most of us are working for companies that are great companies or, or not great companies doing maybe commoditized things. And if you, I'll put it this way. If your company can be compared to somebody, to another company, as far as everything else is concerned, and the only differentiating factor is culture and, and work expectation, you're going to lose if you're in a bad culture. So I would say 
the topic of burnout, we haven't really gone into, we only have a few minutes left. We haven't gone into the psychological, true psychological effects and all of the, I guess all the side effects that I would want to discuss for burnout. So we can actually kick kick this to a different episode down the road because I do want to talk about this again. But I think the bigger point that I wanted to get to for the subject was the how how a, a burnt out leader the effect it has down the in, on the team. Well, well, I, yeah. I think I think we've already I think we've hit a lot of that, and I think we're I think we can quickly hit on the psychological effects, right? So burnout. So on the way it it manifests itself on the team, um, burnout on a leader is, is going to bring out your eccentricities, which makes your team react to behaviors that you haven't always shown which leads to inconsistency, which mean leads to um, mistakes being made. Yeah. So, so it, 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 there's certainly that trickle down effect. Um, as far I mean, as I think, I, I think bad decisions are made. I think people jump to conclusions. I think you get arguments between people that are normally reasonable they start to snip at each other. Passive aggressiveness. People people don't have the energy to actually be blunt, and then they start doing passive aggressive behavior, which is to me way more dangerous in an environment. Um, the lack of caring about goals when every day in a on a team is about exhaust is exhausting. Sometimes the goal, like achieving that goal, no longer actually seems that big of a deal. Right. And and I think that's part of the the only reason that people go in and, and feel they got to put in the, I won't say the only reason, but a, a major reason that people feel they have to go in and put in that much time is if they feel something's an emergency, if they feel something is, is extremely urgent. And um, if everything is urgent, then nothing can be urgent. Um, So, so if every little problem that comes up is an emergency, then you've, you've incorrectly defined emergency. Um, So that leads to exhaustion and, and all of that and all the, all the things you were listing a lot of those come down to patience, right? When when we work with other yeah. people, when, when yep. we work with other things, it's our patience that is tested a lot of times. Um, and and when that patience goes away, all of a sudden the filters start to drop um, because we all put in filters for, for when we work. Um, in order to not say things, in order to let that person have their personality because they do eff- they're effective, um, we we lose that patience, and yeah. all of a sudden things start to fray. So that's a, that's another side effect. Well, kudos because that is ex- like I didn't I wasn't thinking of that term, but you nailed it with that. Um, that is exactly what goes away, and that which is a big key. 
So right. now and we're going to... As you were describing them, I, I was thinking patience, 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 patience. It's all that. So let, let's end with you trying to guess my college football example for patience. <laughs> um, I, you know what? I can't even really... Oh, come guess on. My, it's so I, relevant. No. It's, so, it's so relevant. Come on. No, I'm missing it. I'm missing it. If there was anybody I would think would be patient, it would be it would be Saban. But I, I'm missing uh, you're 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 gonna say it. And I'm gonna be like, well, duh. But I, I can't come up with it. The fan base thought he was too patient. Oh, okay. Um, it's very relevant to me. Oh, Mark Richt. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Holy yeah. Crap. So, so you I've had never. Good, you had to bring the Georgia connection in. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. At least I get some time. I mean, this is a fan base that wanted to see their coach screaming and yelling when things went wrong. Yeah. This was a this was a coach who turned around a program but never pushed it that extra mile. And the pe- the argument people would make, which I'm not going to completely debunk, is that this dude lacked the fire to get his team up on the big games. Sure. But he, Mark Richt, him and his wife had a family of six or seven, and he ate dinner with them all the time. And his coaches ate dinner with their families a lot. That doesn't mean they didn't work a ton. They still worked a lot of hours. But you heard the coaches talk about the culture there as a coach at working for Richt versus other coaches. Yeah. And... It was a frequent thing about, you know, the question I have is, is, is our, is the business world, does it require an Urban Meyer or a Mark Rick to succeed, to make money, to make profits? Uh, I think you need both. I, I, I think we've seen you need, Tesla would not be where it is today without Elon Musk. Yeah. Um, Amazon, one, Amazon would not be yeah. who it was without Jeff Bezos. I, I, it, that's why that's why I, I made the statement. I like working for companies with singular personalities as at the top, but you got to make sure you personally can survive in that environment. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. So so for sure. So thank God I got a Georgia reference in there. Um, (laughs) This is a good stopping point for today. We will return to the subject of burnout because it's big. Um, I I may end up teaching a full-time boot camp. We'll see um, this fall. And it's almost a process on education that requires burnout. It pushes the students through... Basically, a three-month process, five days a week, 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. of learning and building code and learn. And like every teacher I talk to that's done it is like, it's not the best way to teach a class, but it is the most efficient. <laughs> and so I'm like the 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 subject of burnout is a big one in my life because I've been work I work probably two or three jobs where it has been. So we'll return to the subject. For sure. And we will, without a doubt, talk about college football again. We apologize to those who don't care for it. 
uh, but, Randy, at, th- at this point, those who didn't care for it have <laughs> left the episode. So we can talk about it all we want by now. Well, we can start, we can start a fifth podcast about Monday, <laughs> Monday morning coaching. Um, so there's all sorts of ways we can approach this again. But for today, sure. I think we will end with, you know, uh, my, my open recommendation to Elon Musk, who definitely is a subscriber um, in between his the few meals he eats a day. Hey, man, of course. You, gotta, you need to hire managers. You need to let them manage for you. Let them fail just as you have failed and take a break because a burned out Elon Musk is like is not an effective one. Like right. he's re- he, in my opinion, he's reached the max limit that a human being can do. He's passed it. He needs to dial it back. It's starting to show. He needs to go. He needs to do what Obama did. He needs to go find the island. Where's the Virgin um, Records, dude? Where like he needs uh, to Necker, find that guy. Necker island. He needs to go there, do the hang gliding, <laughs> smile for the camera, just chill out for. Probably a week or two. Get some oh, no, insights. A nice month. Get the insights from the Virgin Records. Ah, what's his name? What's Richard name Branson. Yeah. Get Branson. Another, another singular personality. But not a burnout guy. But not a burnout guy. And but you could, question, you could question the success of the companies, right? And the ambition of the companies as well. They were successful. Yeah. But so, how? Yeah, yeah. yeah. But if you successful enough to own his own island, the the question is: Is the success about how much fun Richard (laughs) Richard Branson is having, or is the question about how the company's doing? Because I I want Richard Branson's success. That's where I. That's where I want to be. I'd I'd be. I'd take. I'd be a a, to be a knight. I don't know what that means, Um, but I'd have the queen like touch my shoulder with the sword and pull the sword out of the stone. (laughs) Whatever those sirs do, sure. um, just to have dinner with Patrick Stewart would be awesome. Yeah, <laughs> that happens if you're a knight, you just show up at his house and go, "Let's, you know, let's talk." But I, I feel like um, that's what Musk needs to take that break. Sure, and I think it would instill confidence that he's going to keep things together because I think right now they've got a board that doesn't trust what's coming out of his mouth. You've got the SEC rightfully investigating comments he made about that caused a market manipulate like movement. And he has basically come out and kind of revealed that he made an error with those statements. Yeah. And I feel like him showing the restraint that many people should show at a management level and a team and a working level would be a good recovery for the company. Not a, not a short, not something that says, Oh, he's giving up or he's taking his foot off the pedal more. No, he's a human with limits and he is working within those constraints. That's to me a much better leader. So that's my recommendation to Musk. I hope he, Gives me credit when he does all that. For sure. <laughs> all right. I'm man. sure I'm sure he will call you out specifically. <laughs> all 
I don't know. Don't don't have. I don't want to be called out by <laughs> I've seen I've seen what happens. It's not good. <laughs> All right. Very good. All right. Talk to you next week. See ya. Thanks for listening to the CTO Think podcast. Show notes and previous episodes can be found on our website at ctothink.com. Reviews on Apple iTunes are always appreciated and help promote the show. Patreon contributions help us to produce episode transcripts, which allow people that are deaf or hard of hearing to access the show. If you have feedback, ideas, or want to be a guest, please email us at hello at ctothink.com. Show music is Dumpster Dive by Mark Wallach, licensed by premiumbeat.com. Voiceover work by meganvoices.com. You'll hear from us next week. Thank you.